um, Making Mistakes Part 2. Those of you who were here last week would have known we looked at that uh, last week, Jehoshaphat. But this week we're looking at him again. But a second part of this message, getting it right. You know, last week we learned about making mistakes. This week I want to talk about getting, getting it right. So let's bow before God in prayer, shall we, and seek his face. Father, we humbly come before you in prayer, O oh God. Lord God, we say that all, all our good works are filthy rags. All our knowledge, O oh God, is nothing. Lord, we have no understanding. We come, Father God, as, as beggars, Lord, empty bowls to you. We come, Lord, as hungry children, saying, feed us with fresh manna from heaven. We come as thirsty men crossing a, a parched desert land, saying, oh God, quench our thirst. Speak to us, oh God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, Jehoshaphat, we've been looking at this king. He's in the Old Testament, and he's a king of Israel. But um, this king has been a good king. He wasn't like the other kings of Israel and Judah. He wasn't a, an evil, wicked king. He was a good king. And as he was walking with the Lord, as he was serving God, he hears of a report that an army is coming against him. This army is vast. It's made up of three kings. They are coming to um, take hold of, of Judah and to completely desolate it. And hearing that, Jehoshaphat is alarmed. Someone told him, an army is coming, it's not very far away. And he is alarmed, shaken to the core because of this horrible news. Well, how does he react? That's what we're going to look at this morning. The first thing I want to talk about him is, first of all, he gets God in the right position. Putting God in his right position. So listen to what he says. So he, um, he comes to God in prayer. And the first thing he says to God in prayer, the Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Jehoshaphat comes to God in prayer. The first thing he does, he puts God in the right position. Because you see, this army that's coming against him is very vast, very big, very well equipped, very strong. And they're coming against him. And if Jehoshaphat was to look at this army with his human eyes, with what he can see, he will be totally fearful. Now, isn't that our problem today, really? Our fundamental problem today is that uh, we can't help looking around at our situation. And if you look at our situation today, it looks very, very bleak, doesn't it? If you look at our government, you know, we had a £130 million 
general election. Now the Tories are in power. You look over the pond and you look over at the United States and you see a madman, a liar, as the president in the most powerful nation in the world, Donald Trump. He's over there. You can't be safe. You look across the other way, look to North Korea, there's another madman over there as well. And you think to yourself, what is he capable of doing? And it seems to be all madmen around looking after and in the most powerful positions. And if you look at our world, humanly speaking, you think to yourself, what on earth is going on? But listen to what God says in his word. He says this in um, Timothy. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. The word of God says, listen, yes, we've got madmen in, 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 in America and, and crazy people in North Korea and even our own government seem to be in disarray. And the Lord says, pray for these people. Why? Why pray for them? I'll tell you why. Psalmist, the prophet says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and he turns it wherever he wishes. The king's heart. I don't care if you're a president. don't care if you're a king or a prime minister. God is in control. That's what he's saying. I don't care whether you've got billions of pounds to spend on a, on a campaign. The word of God says, I am in control and I have your heart and I can turn it any way I choose. King Jehoshaphat, he knew this and he comes to God in his prayer and he says, oh God, you are Lord in heaven. But moving away from the kings and the presidents, how about our personal problems? Sometimes personal problems come into our lives to ruin our peace. Sometimes issues arrive and we find ourselves, if you know the hymn you may not know it, but we find ourselves singing, when peace like a river attendeth my soul, or when sorrow like sea billows roll. Sorrow! Like sea billows roll over my soul. The man who wrote that hymn lost four daughters on a sea ship. The sea, the ship sank and he lost all of his children. His wife survived and he wrote this hymn and he says, When sorrow come into my life, like sea billows. Sadly, I must say this again, far too many Christians, hear me, this is very important, far too many Christians, when sorrow comes into their lives, completely collapse. Their tears turn to anger towards God. 
Somehow, somebody told them that when you become a Christian, there'll be no more problems in your life. Somehow, somebody told them when you become a Christian, you won't have to have any sickness, no depression, no illness. Your business will succeed. Your life will go from strength to strength. Somehow, somebody told them a lie. They didn't tell them about the cross. They didn't tell them about tears. They didn't tell them about sorrow. They didn't tell them about these things. They told them something else. And they said, it's happened to me, so you will have a wonderful Christian experience. Now, even if you didn't hear that when you became a Christian, you sure hope it's true. Even though no one told you that, maybe, you show in your heart, you sure wish that it was true. And when the sea bellows, come. When the storm clouds gather in your life and you see them coming on the horizon, you see the lightning and you see the wind and the rain and it's coming to your direction and someone says you're going to take up your cross and follow Christ, you want to turn the other way and say, no, I didn't sign up for this pain. But Jehoshaphat did not do that. He looked across and he was told that a vast army is coming. They're not very far away. They're coming and they're going to completely destroy this land. What did he do? He looked up and he says, no, 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 no. He looks up and he puts God in his right position. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of, of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one, no one can withstand you. The New Testament picks that up as well, you know. Not only Jehoshaphat, but the New Testament picks it up and and Paul cries out in, 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 in Romans 8, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Praise be to God. Not only does Jehoshaphat know that, I don't know why, how he knew it, but I know the Spirit of God spoke to Jehoshaphat and he also spoke to Paul in the New Testament. And Jehoshaphat said, God, you are the Lord. Nothing can withstand against you. And Paul picks up his pen and said, I am convinced that nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And so when the sea bellows roll, In your life. When the storm clouds gather. You want to see sunshine. You want to see blue skies. But somehow the blue skies are not there. It's covered for a while. You can't seem to see the face of God. Remember. What the word of God has said. Nothing will separate us. From the love. Of God. That is in Christ Jesus. So Jehoshaphat put God. In his right Position. That is the first thing I want you to see in his prayer. That's a very wise thing to do. Very wise for you to do that. To make sure you put God where he should be. Second thing that Jehoshaphat did was that he had his right priorities right. 
your priorities. Let's wait for that phone to... Um, Okay, Jehoshaphat is a very wise man, you know. The very wise man. Why? Because he does two things in his prayer, which is very, very wise. Two things. First, he reminds God what he has done. And secondly, he reminds God of what he has said. Two very important things in prayer. He reminds God what he has done, and he also reminds God what he has said. So let's look at this together. The first thing here, uh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? God, let me remind you, Lord. I'm praying to you. I want to remind you of what you have done. You have done something tremendous, something wonderful. Abraham, your friend, you, 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 you drove out the, the, the nations. You have done something wonderful. I want to remind you, God, of what you have done. But not only did he remind God of what he had done, he reminded God of what he has said. Look again at what God said in 2 Chronicles 7. He says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. That's what God said. Here was Jehoshaphat standing in the very place that God had made this promise. And God said, if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked way and seek me, then God said, I will hear and I will respond. So Joseph has two great things. He reminds God of what he has done and he reminds God of what he has said. You know, I had people come up to me in the past they say to me, oh, pastor, don't talk to me about prayer. Prayer is a waste of time. I've been praying and praying and praying and God never heard my prayer. Don't talk to me about prayer. In fact, don't even talk to me about Christ. I am done with it all. And they turned away. And I said, hold on, hold on. Before you turn away, I asked them two questions. Did you ever remind God what he has done for you in your praying? Have you reminded God what he has done for you? They turn around and say, no. I said, you mean you tell me you haven't reminded God that he saved you from your sin? He cleansed you, saved you from death, hell, and the grave, and brought you into a place uh, that you are united? You, you mean you tell me you haven't reminded God of what he has done in your life? No. Okay, have you reminded God of what he has said to you? Have you reminded God of his promises? You know, the promises like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The promises like, you know, all, all, all things, and I will mention this, work together for your good. Have you reminded God of his promise? Suddenly they become very silent and say to me, I don't even know God's word. They're very quick to run away. Very quick to complain. But when you ask them, have you 
reminding God of what he has done and what he has said, very often they turn around and say, no, I have not. But not only that, Christian people like to walk away from God because God does not give them the answer that they want. They say, what's the point of praying, they say. I have asked God for this and he's given me that. What's the point of being so into the word and being on my face before God? I've asked him to, do, to, to deliver me from this and I end up being in that. I can't be bothered, they say. And they turn around and walk away. Why? Because God hasn't answered the prayer that they wanted answered in their way. Don't you know the word of God? What does he say? And we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good, for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. God is working for the good. Why did he know what is good? Because he has infinite knowledge and wisdom and he looks into your life and says, you know what, it is good for me to work like this in your life. You say, no, 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 Lord, it's not good. No, no, no. If I was God, I would do it differently. Yes, you'll do it differently and you will ruin everything. But God says, no, 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 no. Don't prescribe to me how I need to do the operation. I am the physician. Can you just imagine that? Sitting on a hospital table and the doctor comes in with his white coat and his sharp knife and you say to him, no, don't cut me there, doctor. Don't take that bit out, doctor. Hold on, be quiet. I'm going to put you to sleep. <laughs> so you don't even talk to me. And let me do my work, say the physician. And that's what God is like. Don't talk to me about what I can do. I am the physician. I am the one with wisdom. I am the one with knowledge. I know your life from the beginning to the end. I created you in your mother's womb. I know you before the creation of the world. And I will bring you safe to glory. Don't you worry about anything. Let me deal with your life. That's what God will say to you this morning. Get your priorities right. Put God in the right position. Let me just finish this message off with my third and final point here that Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat put God in, in his right position. He, you know, he looks to God and he says, God, you are the Lord. No one can withstand you. I don't need to worry about this army coming because you are the Lord and you can turn kings if you want to. He looks at his priorities and he says, oh, no, I need to remember what you have done in the past. And also, I need to remember what you have said, oh God. And it, by that, by looking at your word, I know that I'm in your favor. But thirdly, he speaks about their punishment. Here, Jehoshaphat prays that God will take center stage here he turns around and says, oh God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. He cries out, God, will you not judge them? I can hear people turn around and say, hold on. Don't your Bible says, do not judge? Don't 
your Bible says, do not judge, lest you be judged. And they point that out, and they're right. The Bible does say that in Matthew's gospel, do not judge. So they say, you know, don't judge me. They say, I can do what I, 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 I want to do. I can live the way I want to live. Don't you judge me. How dare you point your finger at me and, and judge me? But this prayer of this godly king, he says, God, Jehoshaphat says, God, they are breaking your laws. They are going against what you have ordained. They have broken what you have set up. God, will you not judge them? Although we must pray for our enemies, pray that God's, those who break God's laws and commands will be blessed. We must pray for our enemies. But the Bible is very, very clear. Just as people are destined to die once. Very clear. No one will argue with me this morning that I'm not going to die. In fact, I'm looking forward to the day when you will hear that Pastor Jerry is dead. I'm looking forward to that day because I know that that very day I'll be very much alive in the presence of God. But that's going to happen. But he's appointed for every single person to die once and then face the judgment. And you know what? When I think about that, I turn to Hebrews and the Hebrews writer says, our God is a consuming fire. I don't know if I'm going to be comfortable living this life. And then going into my death and then meeting a God who is described as a consuming fire. Jonathan Edwards, not the triple jumper, long jumper guy. But Jonathan Edwards, he lived in the 18th century. He preached a sermon that still is being read today. He preached a sermon called this, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Still being written. Can you imagine a sermon 300 years still being read today? And that's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing for you to live your life not knowing what's going to happen. That when you die, you are unsure that on the other end, are you going to meet a God who's a consuming fire? Or are you going to meet the Christ who will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the kingdom that I have called for. You can't, to be unsure is a dangerous place to be this morning. You need to put God and you need to remember that these things are a dangerous situation to be in. But Jehoshaphat in his prayer has his eyes fixed in the right place. And he turned around and he says, you know, God, yes, he's terrible. God is fearful. He's appointed to man to die once and then the judgment. But let me finish off that verse for you. That verse is a wonderful verse. It doesn't end with judgment. No, look what it says. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face the judgment, that's what I quoted. But look how it goes on. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation 
to those who are waiting for him. That is just wonderful. Let me just stay there for a minute. Christ died once, he was sacrificed once. Yes, he died on that cross, but he's coming again. And what's the reason for his return? To gather together those who he's going to bring into his salvation. To gather those who he's going to even bring into his kingdom. That is the reason why he's going to come a second time. One of the reasons to bring salvation to those who long for him. Question is, which side are you on this morning? That's the question. It's appointed for man to die once. Well, while I'm still waiting to die, am I sure that when I do meet God, I'm not going to meet him as a consuming fire? If that's you this morning, I will beg you to change that today. If that's you this morning, and your life's a bit wonky, and you're going the wrong way, and you think to yourself, I can, I can handle this. I can, I can play around on the edges of Christianity and I can, I can dabble, dip my toes in, but I'm not going to jump right in. Only a fool does that, jump right in. You know, I'm going to just play it on the, the sides. If that's you this morning, I plead with you with all my heart. God is a consuming fire. You don't want to die and meet him like that. You'd rather die and meet him as a friend called Abraham was called a friend. That's how you'd rather meet God, not meet him as a consuming fire. Well, Jehoshaphat is in this place and he says, oh God, won't you judge them? I can't judge them. I can't do anything. But God, won't you judge them? And then he turns around and he carries on and he says, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. Our eyes are on you. You know, Jehoshaphat took his eyes off of this vast army. Took his eyes off of him. They were coming and he, and he heard about it. He took his eyes off the vast army. He took his eyes off of the women and children that came out of their houses. They came from all over Israel. Men and, and women carrying their babies and little children. They all came from everywhere. And they were all standing out there. And Joseph had looked at them. All fearful and all scared and all standing before him. He took his eyes off of the men and the women and children. He took his eyes off of himself. And he looked and he said, I'm the king. I'm meant to be the one protecting these people. But look at me. I'm fearful. I'm trembling. I'm confused. He took his eyes off of himself. And he turned his eyes upon God. Why did he do that? Well, David helps us. David turns around and he says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. For where comes my help? Where does it come from? My help comes from the Lord. And who is the Lord? The maker. Oh, I love that. The maker. He's not just some idol that you can take and carry every now and again and plonk down here and put that oh no 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 he is the maker of heaven and earth that's who I'm turning my eyes to this morning he says I lift my eyes to the hills 
But that's where my help comes from. My dear friends, that's where your help comes from. I was on the phone to a brother this week. He tells me that there's problems in his life. He tells me that his head is spinning. He's got problems at work. Problems in a marriage. Problems in his personal life. And as he was speaking to me, I was impressed. Why was I impressed? Because his eyes was focused upon God. Even in the midst of his problems. My dear friends, where is your eyes focused upon? Look, the psalmist turned in my last verse as I close with, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Do you know the wonderful thing is this? You will turn your eyes to the Lord and look to him. But all the while, he has been looking at you. You might be doing your thing and worrying about this and worrying about that, but all the while, God has not taken his eyes off of you for one moment. He's been constantly watching you, constantly following you, constantly caring for you. You may not be able to think about your children, but he is thinking about your children. You may not be able to think about your finances, but he has that covered already. Every area of your life, God is already looking at you. I want you to hear me this morning, for I'm speaking for God this morning. Every moment of your life, even while you was on sin, even while you turned your back on him, he was still watching and looking out for you. Waiting for the time for you to turn and say, I lift my eyes to the hills. I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I'm tired of trying to make ends meet. I'm tired I have no more energy, no more. I'm tired of this all stuff that's around me. I'm turning now and I'm lifting my eyes to the hills. Sometimes I'm so worried that people wait for a tragedy. They wait for a problem before they can look up. You don't have to wait for a problem, you know. In fact, I will beseech you, don't wait for a problem. Get on your knees now. Don't wait for a calamity. Don't wait for a situation. No, no, no. Get on your face now and say, Lord, there's no problem in my life anymore, but I'm still looking up to the hills. Lord, the sun is shining in my life at the moment, but Lord, I'm still looking up to the hills. Because I know that that's where my strength, that's where my hope, that's where my peace That's where my security lies. It's when I look to you. Let's just stand as we close our message today. Let's just stand. We're going to stand.